This is Daniel Fagella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. Today's episode is about making the business case for AI, and our guest makes the argument that a thorough understanding of the impact to end users, how day-to-day workflows will change and what the measurable impact of that will be, is the best and the strongest way to make a business case. And before I get into that guest and some other details of this episode, I also want to talk a bit about culture. Next week on Mondays, which is November 1st, uh, my birthday is November 2nd, so this first little birthday week in November, I'm going to be doing one episode every day, November 1st through November 5th, all on a critical topic for AI adoption, and that is how do we affect and build the right culture to make AI thrive? It's great to have the right use case, but ultimately we need leadership and subject matter experts and functional leaders to be on the same page and to be able to facilitate the kind of culture that allow will allow us to experiment, will allow us to collaborate, and will allow AI to thrive. We have five very strong guests, and we are kicking off with Seth Dobrin, who is IBM's chief AI officer. So the chief AI officer for all of IBM is our first guest in this culture series. We have other executives from Facebook, Intel, and more speaking on the topic of AI culture and how do we encourage an AI culture to allow AI to take root and genuinely deliver an ROI. This is a theme relevant for anyone in enterprise AI adoption, and I hope it will be relevant for you. So uh, please do join us starting next Monday all the way through next Friday for this AI culture series. We should be writing a very long-form article on this topic as well. I've been focused on so many other parts of Emerge over the last three or four months. I wanted to get back into the editorial of the podcast and dial in on a specific series I thought would be particularly valuable for our listeners and would give me a great excuse to dive deeper and even do a deeper write-up and some some more thorough research on the topic of culture itself. So you're going to be learning from the best. Again, IBM's chief AI officer is our kickoff interview next Monday. Please do join us. It would mean the world. If nothing else, you'll be helping me celebrate my birthday. Uh, But hopefully also you'll learn a lot in terms of how to alter and adjust culture to allow AI to thrive within your enterprise. So anywho, let's get back into the episode today. I I am excited to have you join us next week, but let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is with Gaurav Srivastava of Farai. He is the CTO at Farai. Farai has recently raised another $100 million, bringing their total to $150 million uh, to bring artificial intelligence into the supply chain. This is a company that clearly has traction. You don't get to raise nine-figure rounds unless there is sincere evidence that what you are delivering into the market uh, deserves more funding and deserves to roll into the market all the more. Um, Gorov talks about how end-user impact is what vendors and internal AI leaders need to understand in order to make a strong business case. So if you have a number of AI applications you'd like to bring to life or AI initiatives you'd like to bring to life, uh, the insights that you'll learn from Gorov today, I hope, will allow you to frame those to leadership in a way that is powerful and compelling and in a way that will make a strong business case for AI. This is someone with great experience in that space, and we're glad to have Gorov with us on the show. And a big congratulations to Farai for their recent nine-figure round. Big high five on that. So without further ado, let's hop into this episode. This is Gorov Srivastava of Farai here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Gaurav, uh, we'll start off this series as we have been with our previous guests on this theme around making the business case. When it's time to sell AI into the enterprise, people are going to make a decision. What do we have to have on the table for them to be able to know, is this worth it, is it not worth it? How do you like to think about that? 
Hey, Dan. I'm glad to be back on this session. Yeah, good to have you with us. Really appreciate it. And uh, right, AI's been a topic of consideration for most of the supply chain organizations, most of the IT organizations today. Most of these IT and supply chain teams are thinking about using AI, specifically the current situation that we are in, right? These are unprecedented times. We'd never expected this to happen. So how can AI help us in these kind of situations and even in situations that we have not thought of yet, right? So AI definitely is a tool that companies or leaders are thinking that can help them. And while deciding or going for an AI-based solution, there are a couple of factors that that I feel is, is really, really important for companies to consider. So the very first aspect is the cost of the solution. AI solutions, one is actually the cost of the software, which is, I won't say it's much, much of a uh, concern. The larger co- cost that goes into AI solution is the cost of providing data. AI solutions are only as good as the data they are processing. And generally speaking, all this data is not readily available on on a common source system, right? And you may have to interact with multiple different companies and different organizations to collate all this data and bring it onto this one platform before you start churning out intelligent results. So if any organization is thinking of investing into AI, they should definitely first get a sense of how many APIs or how many data exchange pipelines they'll have to build in to make sure that this AI platform is successful. So once that is done, Success is guaranteed, and you will definitely achieve the results that you are looking out for. But then that's the initial that's the initial investment that the leaders should be cognizant about. How do you feel about that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, success is guaranteed. Yes, yeah, I, I feel uh, I feel not so awesome about that. But I do like the idea of uh, of talking about addressing data first. Uh, clearly going to be an, a necessary step here. Any executive that's heading into AI without taking into consideration you know, what kind of data streams to set up. They're walking in a little bit naively. I think one thing that I know a lot of execs tuning in, Gaurav, are, are going to have not as much experience in as you do, is in how to determine what we're going to need to hook into, plug into, how long it's going to take to get those things ready. Of course, it's how many pipelines do we have to build, but also what kind of an investment does that involve? Is it important to sort of talk to your vendors, talk to your internal experts and figure out What's the time horizon? What's all the moving parts? Right. So one is definitely the cost. The other is the time horizon. That's a very important aspect as well because building these data pipelines and these APIs would require a lot of time to for these data to come in. So yep, that's great. And the aspect that I wanted to talk about is once once you get all of this in, you need to really pinpoint on the success metrics or on how do you define that the results that you're getting out of AI is helping you reduce your operational cost or increase your operational efficiency. So these are the two major ways we see it actually in supply chain. So talking more about the supply chain world, a AI solution should either be at the end of the day helping you to reduce your shipment cost or it should be able to increase your overall efficiency of network, right? So when we talk about efficiency, it can be related to your end consumer experience. It can be related to your operational experience. So all of these are some direct impact. All of these are some KPIs that can directly gain by an efficient AI engine. So those are certain areas that executive going for AI should pinpoint to. 
and try not to choose a lot of them at the same same time yeah we should po- possibly focus on just one one area so for example uh, that one area can be just as simple as a predictive eta for end consumer who is placing an order so it can be as simple as that but then just go deep into it make sure that you get you have all the data you are delivering that value to your end consumer and then validate that before before you start your next next ai project yeah I, i like where you're headed here and i i think that you know in terms of pinpointing the value i actually think there's just like figuring out the cost of the data pipelines there's a lot of art and science in pinpointing the value because as you've mentioned maybe it's sort of reducing the cost per shipment uh, in our warehouse some way. I mean, obviously, you folks work in the supply chain, so we can talk about those kinds of examples. Or, you know, predicting drop-off times for, for end users. The question is always sort of, how do we measure the value of that? Maybe sometimes we can't even measure the user's success. We can just estimate that that's going to be a really important thing. They've asked about it. We think it's going to be valuable. We're going to give it to them. Maybe we're going to measure their net promoter score. Maybe we're going to, right? It's like, do we have to... it seems to me like we'd want to find things that are tangible and measurable if we can. And then maybe we'd want to find some other benchmarks that maybe there really is no measurable way that we can extract it, but we believe that strategically it's going to be valuable. So we just happen to know that if we had this functionality, customers would be happier. It might be hard to make direct attribution to what that does to our business, but we believe on the aggregate it'll be better. How do you juggle both of those? We've got the measurable, we've got the not so measurable. To find that value for the client, is it really the vendor's responsibility, Gaurav, to to think through the different value trajectories for the client to have one or two of those things that that vendor can do really well? Or is it going to be very, very different client to client almost every time? Right. So it's definitely the vendor's responsibility that the vendors who are coming on board to help help the larger corporates and executives through this journey, they should provide that clarity definitely. Now, how we do it is we talk about the new normal, right? Not as, as an end consumer, as a, a buyer today, I'm exposed to many AI platforms or AI-driven platforms like Uber and Amazon and uh, DoorDash and these high-tech companies who are really using AI and influencing the customer's everyday life, right? And the end consumer or the buyer today is not it's not surprised by these kind of activities, right? It's part and parcel of their everyday life. Now, it's what we call as the new normal in supply chain. It's like the consumers are expecting this to happen. Now, there are big brands and big retailers and e-commerce companies and big giants out there who are still struggling to be at par with this new normal, right? And the, when I talk about companies like uh, Amazon and Uber, by far their technology is way, way ahead than what most of us are doing today, right? So. The larger goal today is even to, so one way of measuring it is, are we even meeting the criteria of the new normal? It's not about cost. It's not about what values we are bringing onto the table. It's what the end consumers are expecting. It's definitely going to drive your NPS up. It's definitely going to improve your overall consumer experience. But at the end of the day, it all boils down to, are we even delivering at par with what the others are doing in the market, right? It's are we even meeting that basic benchmark? So that's that's where we see most, or I, I would say at least eighty percent of our conversations are around these basic criteria itself. And when it's such a basic criteria, it's it's just the whole cost or the 
upside of it is out of the window it's like how how soon can we get this it's, yeah it's yeah like, you know, how soon can we achieve this right it's not a question of cost and it's no more a question of uh, the value that you gain out of it it's just because everyone is doing it so just go for it yeah it really seems well if you want to get enterprises to move enterprises that are not uber it would seem as though peer pressure would be a better name of the game than some new cool thing ai can do and as a vendor if i'm thinking if i put myself in your shoes or any vendor and i i think about you know getting sales to some degree i'd want to tie the return on investment which we're going to start talking about momentarily here gorov i'd want to tie the return on investment to something other than right now expenses right now revenue in part because uh I, I just want to attach to something really meaningful to the customer, you know, a fear and aspiration and just get them to to make the transaction. But also because AI is often very hard to predict, to know exactly mm-hmm. what the cost is going to be, exactly how long the setup time is, exactly how much our MPS scores are going to improve. That's all kind of fuzzy because, you know, we don't know how quality the data is. We, we don't know if we're going to have the right kind of value within these data streams. If we've been tracking the right features historically so that we can train this in a sandbox and even prove it's going to be valuable. You know, do, do we have enough in-house talent to ultimately make this thing work in six months? You know, we don't know. It's not software coming out of a box. We don't know. And so I'd want to tie to something more more abstract. Is that the best way to get around that abstraction? I should probably ask Gaurav. We'll get into ROI in just half a second. But you know, when it comes to all of the question marks of AI, again, all mm-hmm. the things I just mm-hmm. mentioned, all those uncertainties, is the best way to overcome those by having that vision of, you know, like you've said, the new normal, which is basically, this is another way of saying peer pressure. Is it basically a way of painting your product and associating it with peer pressure and saying, look, let's go here? Because then we're not talking about you know, pennies and cents, we're talking about kind of strategy. Is that the way you try to overcome that? Or are there other methods too? Right. So if I try to address it in a different panel, so the new normal or the peer pressure is what's driving the need today, right? That's that's what is driving the interest in all our customers that, that we talk to. But then that's not definitely that's driving the sales. So when we go for, a, for pitching in an AI solution to our customers, they are pretty much asking the same questions that you are, right? That how or what is that exact time frame or what is that exact cost that the solution would require and what are the exact returns that that the customer is going to get at the end of the day so those are some very valid questions and the way we address those questions is more based on our past experiences so we have got some very strong use cases or case studies done on at an industry level for example we have worked with some e-commerce companies to predict the ETA of delivery at the time of checkout. Now think of yourself when you're like placing an order on an e-commerce website and you're checking out and you get a estimated date of delivery between three days to seven days. Now that's that's going to just make you as a consumer very, very much suspicious, right? That why are they saying three to seven days? Because Amazon just says fifth of May. That's it, right? So that's the difference. And that's that's where AI comes into play, where we have done similar case studies in the past. We can, with the assurance or with a guarantee, predict that the parcel will be delivered on this particular date at your doorstep. Now, that's what AI can solve for you. And this is just an example. And for any purchase or any buyer who is going to buy an AI solution should refer to case studies or documents 
in similar industries or in similar scenarios being done by the vendor in the past. We definitely don't want to go into deep waters without any experience, right? We, if, if, you, if you want to go into those waters, you should definitely test the experience of the vendor, see if they have done it in the past, what has been the returns. So we have been like able to deliver it with a 99% accuracy for some big, big brands. And that's where our case studies becomes really strong and convincing for the, our customers to buy. So those are the certain metrics or KPIs that are out there. It should be there with every vendor. For sure. I mean, th- there's nothing that's going to do a better job of making an ROI case than having big name brands that you can mention you worked with. Of course, even you guys, Goro, just like everybody, you had to start with some guinea pigs to start off with, right? I mean, <laughs> everybody does. And there's still some things that are getting guinea pig to this day. I mean, until you hit 100 million bucks, I'm, I'm basically going to believe that's the case because I've seen enough companies like you guys. But that said, you know, you get enough under your belt and now you can have those more serious ROI conversations. And it sounds like, you know, how long did it take you folks? Because I think it's really important for the enterprise listeners, Gaurav, to hear this as well. How long did it take you folks to figure out basically, hey, here's the, here's the bounded set of metrics that we know we can move that are important to the business, important to the customer. And here's realistically how much we can kind of move them and what we should be able to bring into our sales conversations and be able to deliver on with a straight face ethically. You know, how long did it take to mold that? Because that's obviously a very challenging journey you folks have gone through. So somewhere started more than a year ago. And that was where we first got our guinea pig customer. They were a tech company. They were a tech giant. They very well understood the risks of investing into such a technology. And they decided to partner with Farai and our technology. And uh, again, choosing the guinea pig customer was important for us because we don't want it. We never wanted to partner with a customer who doesn't understand technology. The risk, yes, that they're getting into, of course, yeah. Exactly. So it was it was very easy for us to partner with this tech-driven enterprise. And yes, it, it took us over 14 months to build out that solution for them. And right, it's been... It's been That's incredible. Uh, ...for them. As of now, I can't comment on the NPS, but their on-time delivery rate is 99% across Europe, across, across uh, London. So that's that's what how, how they are meeting their uh, delivery KPIs, and it's been a phenomenal achievement for, for that brand. They work with multiple 3PLs, they have their own network and whatnot. So now this case study is pretty strong. When when we go to a new, new giant or a new customer of similar capacities, it's convincing enough for them to invest in a similar t- because they know the technology is ready. We have a clear-cut implementation timeline. It's no longer one year. It's down to three months now. And the results are quite obvious. Got it. So we have tried to reduce as many variables as we can in our solution. We tried to... So one, one approach that we took, which is pretty exciting. So most of the time when people think of AI, they think of training over whatever data is available. They don't consider that if, if the data is too too random, can we control that data as well? So what, what we decided is, instead of relying a lot on what data is available, we also relied on generating our own data. So we, what we decided is, let's capture the data over the period of next one year and see if we can improve from it. So that was that was a different approach that we took and it really helped us. Cool. And I can't speak exactly to your, you know, claims about some, you know, unnamed client, et cetera, et cetera. However, what I will say, Gaurav, obviously I respect you enough to have you on the show and clearly you guys raised a D round. You're up to maybe 40 million bucks now. So you're, do- you're doing something right. You know, you've gotten past the guinea pig phase 
in a clear way. And I think it's going to be really cool to see how supply chain sort of evolves. Obviously, part of that evolution for you getting past the guinea pig phase, now expanding into other customers and clients, and you've got 300 employees or so at the time of this recording, maybe even more, you've had to think a lot about ROI. And there's a couple elements to return on investment when you're talking to a client. I mean, you've got some of those tangible, measurable things. I'd love to hear your perspective on how you like to tie those down. You've also got the strategy things, because again, there's really, you know, you mentioned your three-month time to take off, but sometimes it's going to take longer, maybe sometimes a little bit less. There's a lot that's up in the air about AI. It's, It's really hard to bound all the realities. How do you like to kind of present ROI in in the right way with both the measurable and the strategic side of things at the table? How do you think about putting that together? On a measurable front, we set clear metrics like, so for example, for us, it's as simple as on-time delivery. What was the delivery date that we predicted and how many shipments got delivered on on that date, right? So it's quite measurable. That's that's how we go for it. We set some clear KPIs. For, for us, it's just that one, one KPI right now that we have been working on. Got it. And which we are pounding to our customers. We start on day one and start showing results or start comparing with the current date results with the past. And we show that improvement. That's that's quite measurable. On a strategic side, there's always, I would say, the unknown factor is around uh, the time frame on when, when exactly would the customer start seeing results. Because if... They're just doing it for 50% of data is still not accurate, right? So what we try to talk to customers about is around the time frame or the time horizon. And that's where some bit of solutioning goes into play, right? So before we commit something to our customer, we take a deeper look into their current architecture, what data sets they have. We talk to their IT teams, understand their uh, data landscape and come up with that value or that time horizon or the time time frame in which we should be ready with this with this solution for them so that's that's the only variable piece on how long it's this going to take to deliver the result that the customer is expecting so that is done more through a collaborative workshop or a collab collaborative work between the customers team and our teams to come up with that with that answer got it so Essentially, you figured out kind of, all right, here's the needles that we can move it. And it sounds like on-time delivery is a really big part of it. You've got some variables with the customer that you have to calibrate. You have to dial in to figure out what's reasonable for accuracy here, given the client setup and given the client's workflows and whatever. And after a little bit of work with them, then you're able to say, hey, look, based on this, this, and this, you know, here's what we believe that we can set in terms of measurable goals. Am I hearing you correctly there? Yes. Okay, got it. Short additional question, Gaurav. When it comes to on-time delivery date, I imagine what you're looking for in terms of measurable is something about sort of accuracy improvement. So let's say that their current estimated delivery time is off by an average of, you know, 26 hours. If you can get that down to a much more reasonable you know, span, or maybe it's off by, you know, 60 hours, who knows, if you can get that down to a much more reasonable span, is that how you're measuring improvement? Because clearly, like the date it arrives is, is a tough benchmark. Yeah. How do you yeah. do that? As of now, we are at an accuracy of 24 hours. So it's a date of delivery that uh, we got it. Okay, so on the day, yep, on the day. Yeah, makes sense. And most of our customers are in the range of four days of delivery day. Right? Okay. So, okay. So your job is to get them from four to one, basically. Exactly. Okay. That's still, still a major improvement. And we are working on capabilities to bring it down to two hours as well. So in, in, we would be trying out some pilots with our customer. We'll be bringing it down from four hours, one day to two hours window. 
That's cool. That's cool. Okay, got it. So, yep. So you're looking at, okay, what is your current range of being wrong when it comes to accuracy? And then our job is to create the delta between how much more accurate we can be. So, okay, got it. So you, and again, just for all the enterprise listeners, it's so hard to eventually arrive at what we can deliver in terms of a result. I mean, Gaurav, you guys have had you know, a lot of different deployments, work with a number of different customers to be able to kind of calibrate what are all the variables and what's a reasonable result we can expect. This is hard work, but once you get there now, like you said in the beginning of the interview, it's the vendor's responsibility to say, look, here's the needles we can move based on these factors. So that's the measurable side of things. Now, sometimes, Gaurav, folks are going to, you know, it it's going to be hard to make guarantees with people. And it's going to be hard to make guarantees about how long it takes to get this stuff going. Maybe their their data science team is less accessible than you thought, or their IT team is maybe a little bit more ignorant about certain data science factors than you would like, or you know the, the data wasn't tracking certain features, or whatever. There's, there's a lot of stuff outside of financial that, that makes it tough to come up with estimates. What are the other elements about conveying value that aren't necessarily just numbers, but but they still can help move the needle, still can help make that business case? What are those other elements? Interesting. So one particular interesting area is for us has always been around the end consumer side of the business, right? So how this investment is going to improve the overall consumer experience. And now again, I'm talking more from supply chain uh, logistics aspect. Because at the end of the day, for a retailer or an e-commerce company, consumer is the king, right? And yep. if, if you are able to deliver a message across where the overall consumer experience improves multifold, we feel that the value has been delivered. So that's that's another area which, or that's another pillar which we heavily rely upon the consumer experience to uh, move the needle for, for our customers. Is it possible to get that into the measurable side of things? I mean, I can see there's utility if I was a vendor. There would be utility to say, hey, look, Mr. Customer who's shipping things to people's houses um, or businesses or whatever. It's it's clearly in the interest of your customer to know exactly when something's going to show up. They're going to have a better experience with you, et cetera, et cetera. Is it nice, too, when you can have some way of showing how that's affected NPS in the past, even if you couldn't? I imagine it would still be useful, but it feels like that might be both measurable and strategic. Some of it maybe is not measurable. Some of it is. How do you think through that? Because sometimes you got a little bit of both. Yeah, so NPS is definitely one, but then you would see NPS uh, moving over a longer time frame. You won't see that NPS in, impact on day one. However, what you see on day one is your number of calls to your call center or your number yeah. of support. That's, that's like clearly measurable. That starts going down dramatically. The number of consumer complaints, your number of tickets, your number of calls to your call center, they should all start going on day one if, if your con- consumers are happy. So that's that's something that's quite easy, easily measurable. And that's, again, one of the KPIs that, that we track on a, on a daily basis when, when we start deploying our customer solution. So that's what, cool. what we can do is we have a daily traffic signal where we say red, green, and yellow kind of status for different systems. And one key metrics is how many on that traffic dash on that traffic signal dashboard is how many consumer complaints or tickets that came in today and again we we run this with the help of our customers in doing the initial implementation phase and once once we see that's gone down we consider the implementation has been successful cool okay got it so the customer experience is another element here again sometimes measurable sometimes not i like that you've been able to tie it through 
to the measurability around the call center. I will tell the listeners who are tuned in, and Gaurav, I don't know if you would agree with this, but if I think about enterprise buyers of AI, there is a very important superpower to be able to look at an AI application and ask the question, how might I measure the impact here and have an intelligent answer? That's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of experience, but I think through hearing people like you, Gaurav, builds the muscle of our listeners to be able to say, oh, here's an application. Here's how I might measure that impact. And it sounds like for you folks, the call centers is the, the near-term you know, pop that you can see for a customer on the, the customer experience side of things. You mentioned, I'll close out with this, you'd mentioned kind of the new normal factor as well and how that helps to sometimes get your conversation. People will start a conversation with your company because they'll say, man, you know, I know what Amazon is doing. I know what these other companies are doing. They're delivering so reliably. You know, people are starting to expect this. Are you using that vision of keeping up with the Amazons, of of keeping pace with the Uber Eats as also sort of part of the strategic kind of value. Maybe we can't even put a number on it, but they just kind of know like this is where the world is going, even if I can't, you know, tie a figure to it. Is, is that also part of the ROI case or is that just part of making the first conversation? Right. So that's definitely part of the ROI factor as well. It's, it's not about just delivering what we are talking about today, right? It's not that Amazon or Uber, Uber kind of companies of the world, they'll stop innovating or they'll start stop making uh, AI solutions, right? It's just the beginning of the journey. It's possibly the first solution that you're buying from, from the vendor today. But then this whole innovation or this, we show a broader roadmap on what other aspects we are working on, which we assure our customer that they'll be the first to try it out once once our solutions are ready. So that's it's not the end of the journey, this solution. It's just the beginning of a very long-term enterprise relation that we see with our customers. This is the solution that we are starting off with. But then there are two, a lot of different items on our roadmap, which are driven by AI and machine learning that we would love our customers to try out. I'm, I'm pretty sure Amazon yeah. would have some, some crazy stuff going on on their uh, <laughs> warehouse as well. But then let's see. Let's see how the future looks like, right? Maybe we both are working on the same, same technology and we both kind of, So pretty much this ETA accuracy solution that we have been working on for the past one and a half years we were really surprised that Amazon was working on something similar when they launched it with Whole Foods. So, yep. It, Wild. It was, it, yeah. Pretty, pretty, it's like everybody who, who is in this supply chain industry, they know what the problems are, right? And it, it just takes common sense to think of what problems we need to solve. But then the smarter piece comes in, who can solve it and how quickly that problem can be solved by, by the team. So that, that's where the smartness comes in. Got it. So, well, and I, I like this as a closing note where it's basically what you're saying is that, yes, we're selling them on the new normal, but we're also selling them on getting started with an AI journey. You know, the people around you are evolving quickly. You know, here's where we're evolving as a vendor company. You're going to be able to follow us. I like that from a sales perspective, from a vendor like you. And I also, for the the internal enterprise folks listening in, I like that framing when it comes to selling it to the boss, basically not just saying, well, we're going to plug this in and we're going to have a new capability, but saying, hey, here's going to be the beginning of our journey of improving shipments or the beginning of our journey of improving recommendations or whatever the case may be. And it sounds like that's that's part of your conversation with customers as well. Exactly. Excellent. That's a a big take home point. And I think that's something, again, internal or external when it comes to making the business case. I think that's that's a strong... That's a strong point that actually not that many folks have mentioned. So, Gaurav, I appreciate you mentioning it. And I know where we are on time, so we've got to wrap up here. But thank you again for being able to join us on the AI and Business Podcast, Gaurav. Thank you. Thank you, Dan.
Pleasure to talk to you always. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. If you are interested in more tools and resources for making the business case, consider checking out Emerge Plus. Emerge Plus is our members-only platform where we not only give members access to our complete AI use case library and AI white paper library, but they also get access to our complete list of best practice guides and frameworks, which are growing by the week. Everything from infographics about how to measure AI ROI to step-by-step guides to building an AI roadmap to step-by-step guides to selling AI services and beyond. If you are making an internal business case for AI or you're an outside consultant who's interested in bringing their smarts to their clients, having the right use case and being able to frame up the right strategic value, Emerge Plus should be a useful resource for you. You can learn more at emerj.com slash p1. That's P like plus and then the number one, emerj.com slash P1 and check out Emerge Plus. Again, if you're interested in these making the business case type episodes and you also want full access to our thousands of use cases, emerj.com slash P1 might be a good fit for you. So that's it for this episode. I do hope you're able to join us next week. As I mentioned, November 1st through 5th, Monday through Friday, we'll be publishing one episode a day on the topic of changing AI culture. What does it take for an enterprise to adopt the right cultural norms that allows AI to thrive? We are leading off with IBM's chief AI officer on Monday, who is our guest, a very special guest and someone whose insights are piercing. So I hope that you get to join us there. We have other executives from Facebook, Intel, and other companies that are going to be involved in this series. So a great lineup of speakers and presenters here over the course of next week. And it is my birthday week. So I hope you get to join me then. And this is going to be kind of a fun time for me to dive back more thoroughly into the podcast and produce something fun on the research side. And I hope you get to ride along. So that's all. Look forward to catching you next week here on the AI and Business Podcast.